0: Greetings, Earthlings. Oh, we are here. We are ready to go. New Hope Radio. Glad you're with me today. We're in a series asking God for help with some personal issues that we may have. Got any issues? (laughs) Got any personal issues? We're going to ask God for help. So far, we've talked about the issue of, oh yeah, insecurity. Help God, I'm insecure. That's a big one. Then we looked at resentment and anger. Oh yeah, help me God, I'm resentful and angry. (laughs) Today we cry out, help me God, I'm fearful. Oh, I'm afraid. Help me. Here we go. You know when you think about fear, it comes at us in different ways, right? What we hear will cause us to fear. What we see will cause us to fear. What we feel will cause us to fear. What we think will cause us to fear. And you know what? What we smell, you ever smell smoke? <laughs> i cause you to fear. It will it seems like the five senses are the transmitters of fear that's what it seems like and maybe that's why mm, God said you know walk by faith don't walk by your natural senses because they transmit fear walk by faith faith brings God into the picture so we're not going to deny Fear is not real. Fear is real. Oh, yes, it is. But what's important is, here it comes, what we do with it. What we do with the fear, that's the most important thing. Okay, That's what really matters. Everybody gets fear in one way or another, but how we handle it, that's the key. See, fear is caused by the nearness or the presence of danger or sometimes what we perceive as danger you know it could just be a perception i want us to look at a man today who was moved by the perception of danger the perception of danger can be as real as the danger itself Oh, we know that right yeah isaac was the son of abraham and there was a famine in the land so he went to the land of gerar the land of the Philistines. God told Isaac to stay in Gerar, pronounced Gerar, (laughs) and not go down to Egypt. Stay in Gerar. Right. And God said that he would bless him with the promise that he gave to his father, Abraham. Remember that promise? I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven. And will give your descendants all these lands, and by your descendants all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. Wow! That's Genesis 26, 4. In Genesis 26, 6, Isaac lived in Gerar. Okay? All right, so far, so good. We like it. Verse 27. When the men of the place asked about his wife, He said, Oh, she's my sister. What? Why did he say his wife was his sister? You know why? For he was afraid to say my wife, thinking the men of that place might kill him on account of Rebecca, for she was beautiful. Oh. He thought, again, this is a perception of danger. He thought, oh, Rebecca, she is so hot. She's beautiful. These guys, they like her. They're going to kill me and take her. I'll say she's my sister. That way, they'll take her, but they won't kill me. I'm like, (laughs) oh, what a brave guy. They'll take her, but they won't kill me. Isn't that something? Now, I don't know if the problem lies with Isaac or if it lies with the men of Gerar. Because earlier in Genesis 20, Abraham, he traveled there as well. And you know what? He told the men Sarah, his wife, was his sister. The same thing. Why? So they wouldn't kill him and take his wife. Same thing. Okay, if Sarah's nice looking too. And they said, oh, if they know she's my wife, they'll kill me and take her. If they think she's my sister, well, they'll just take her. <laughs> Here we have the sin of the father passed down to the son. That's what's going on here. Now, enter Abimelech. Abimelech, you know what I discovered? It's a title. It's not a name. It's like Pharaoh is a title in Egypt. Abimelech was a title. So it came about, in verse 8, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, Looked out through a window, and he saw, and behold, Isaac hmm, was caressing his wife Rebecca. Oh, what were they doing outside? <laughs> out in daylight, like, like Abimelech can look out the window, and there they are, And kind of like mugging up a little bit outside there under the apple tree. Another, you know, like Abimelech's looking, and he's like, "Wait a minute." This guy's acting with Rebekah in a way that a man doesn't act with his sister. No, you, you you don't do that with your sister. No. No, there's something going on here. So Abimelech, he called Isaac. And he said, Behold, certainly, she's your wife. How then did you say she's my sister? And Isaac said to him, Well, because I said I might die on account of her. Oh, the perception of danger. See, it wasn't danger. It was a perceived danger. You know, previous Abimelech, probably the father to Abimelech, this is Abimelech number two. There was an Abimelech number one. And he was ruling when Abraham lied to him about his wife too. So you're like, what is going on here? Abraham lies to the people under Abimelech, saying, no, Sarah, she's not my wife, she's my sister. Then Isaac, a generation later, he lies to them, says, Rebecca, she's not my wife, she's my sister. I wonder if the people are thinking, what is it with these people of God? Why do they lie so much? Why are these people always lying to to us? And, you know, we have to consider what does the unbeliever think of us Christians? What do we give them to think with? You know, what do they see when they see us in action, out in public, out in the marketplace, at work, wherever we go? What's their perception of the people of God? I'll tell you what, we have to give them a good perception. Sadly, oftentimes we give them, oh yeah, a really bad perception, don't we? We do. We don't represent God properly, but we need to really work on giving a proper representation. Not like these guys. These guys are getting reputation as liars. Let me give you three things about liars. Number one, Paul said the law was made for the lawless, some of which are, and he names them in 1 Timothy 1.10, immoral men, Homosexuals, kidnappers, and liars, and perjurers. And whatever else is contrary to sound teaching. So notice how they're all linked up together. It's like they're all on equal on an equal plane. Immoral, homosexual, kidnappers, liars, perjurers. They're all in the same basket. So don't think, well, because I don't do that sin, I'm not as bad as that one. No, you're all bad. Therefore, there is a penalty or consequence for these lying sins. Secondly, lying gets easier every time. You notice that? For those of you that like to lie, you know it gets easier every time you do it. You get more creative. And 4 Timothy 4.2 speaks of the hypocrisy of liars, seared in their own conscience as with a branding iron. What does that mean? That the conscience just becomes ineffective. Hardness makes it ineffective. You know, in the cowboy days here in America, right? They would brand the steer. they take that hot brand and psh, put the owner's ranch symbol on the side of the steer. And you know what it did to the skin? Oh, it hardened the skin, it made it hard. And Paul is saying, you know, the conscience can be like that. That the conscience can can be seared. And you know how it gets hard. And lying, oh, it just becomes easier. Oh, every time. You start off practicing with little lies. And you realize, ooh, that worked. And then you start going a little deeper. And they get a little bigger. And you realize, ooh, that worked too. And before you know it, you're a professional liar and then one day you get caught boom it's all over and now you've got the reputation of being a liar that's no good but that's what happens thirdly some people as we're leading right didn't I just say that some people have a reputation for lying matter of fact I think it's kinda comical in Titus chapter 1 verse 12 Where Paul said, one of themselves a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, (laughs) evil beasts, lazy gluttons. So we've got this group of people they call Cretans, people that live in the island of Crete, off Greece. And what's their reputation? They're always liars, they're evil beasts, and they're lazy gluttons. (laughs) It's like, man... Who wants that kind of a reputation? But you know where a reputation comes from? Ourself. We create our own reputation. You can call it a reputation, or you can call it a testimony. Call it what you want. We manufacture our own testimonies and our own reputations. You know, it takes a lifetime to build a reputation and a moment to destroy it think about that all that hard work to build a reputation where people see you as honest and trustworthy and caring and boom one bad decision it all goes down the drain it's all gone and then it takes years and years and years to rebuild that reputation so can you see how important every believer's testimony is Oh yeah, very important. Proverbs 29, 25 says, The fear of of man brings a snare, but he who trusts in the Lord will be exalted. So, what does that mean? It means, don't live for man. Live for God. Live for God. And you know what? God and man will respect you god and man when the bible says the fear of man brings a snare snare means it's it's a noose for catching animals it's a trap and it speaks of bondage there are things that if we fear man bondages can begin to develop in our soul like addictions you know an addiction is a bondage because an addiction controls you it puts you in prison and you lose your freedom and we know here in America there's all kinds of addictions food is an addiction right Um, let me tell you something comfort food works oh yeah nothing like a big chocolate candy bar or a bowl of ice cream when you don't feel good when when you're feeling bad when you're feeling down but you know what It becomes a false medication. And it ends up hurting you in the end. Be careful. Alcohol and drugs become an addiction. They control you. They call you. I'm over here. Oh, you're not feeling too good. Come over here. I'll help you. Come on over. And they control your life. TV can be an addiction. Entertainment can be an addiction. It's like you're glued to the TV set. It runs you, it owns you, and you're not out there living life. Also, some other um, bondages that we might have could be aggressive behavior or could be just the opposite, withdrawal. You know, some people, they respond aggressively to things that they don't like. Other people, they withdraw totally from things they don't like that's a bondage again you don't have the freedom to face the problem head-on so you either attack it or withdraw from it but that's not facing it and dealing with it and then of course lying like we're talking about here today so in verse 10 Abimelech said what is this you've done to us one of my people might easily have lain with your wife And you would have brought guilt upon us. Wow. See, Isaac's lie exposed the men of Philistia to the possibility of sinning had they taken Rebekah. And you know what I see here? Even the heathens disdained the sin of adultery. Even the heathens. The pagan Philistines disdained the sin of adultery we know they were bad people but they didn't like adultery no and that's why Abimelech said man what if one of my men took Rebecca and lied with her and she's your wife oh that would have been bad for us man how bad is it when the people far from God convict and correct the people of God Wow, that goes on. Oh, yeah. Reminds me of the two antennas who met on a roof. Hear about them? They fell in love and they got married. The ceremony wasn't much, but the reception was excellent. (laughs) Okay, we're going to move on to verse 11. I don't know, I like it. So here... A non-believer has a better testimony than a believer. Oh, man, that shouldn't be. A non-believer has a better testimony than a believer? Is that possible? Yes, it is. Oh, yeah. So Abraham, I mean Abimelech, charged all the people. You know what he said to his people? He who touches this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Wow! See, the thing that Isaac feared it wasn't a reality. It was a perception. They weren't going to take him, and they weren't going to take his wife. Perception. Oh, many times, you know, perception can steer us wrong. you got to be so careful. you got to check out even your perception. Now, there were times when even those who walked with Jesus had fear, Again, we're not saying fear is not real. Jesus would often encourage people with his words, especially his disciples, which we've already um, uh, probably heard at one time or another in a sermon, like in Matthew ten twenty-eight. Jesus said, "Do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather." Fear him who was able to destroy both soul and body in hell. What's he talking about? Well, they can kill the body, but not the soul. That's mankind. Don't fear man, but fear God, because God can destroy the soul. He can put the soul in hell. He's the one to fear. And then Jesus said, Are not two sparrows sold for a cent? And yet, not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your Father. He's saying, Jesus, Jesus is saying, even God the Father knows the goings and the comings of little sparrows. So, if he knows the goings and the comings of little sparrows, little sparrows, not pharaohs, sparrows, he said, well, do not fear. You are of more value than many sparrows. See, Jesus is always trying to encourage people. If there's one thing he doesn't want his people to do, it's be afraid. Don't be afraid. Whether it's danger or perceived danger, don't be afraid. Jesus said not to be afraid to serve the kingdom. One day, Peter, James, and John, they were out fishing, and they fished into the night, and all night, and they caught nothing. And Jesus comes on the beach, and he says, hey, go out into the deep water and let down your nets. And they're like, Oh man, we've been fishing over there all night. There's nothing out there. But okay, Jesus, if you say it, we'll do it. So they went out there and dropped the nets. They caught a ton of fish. They were amazed at Jesus' words. But then you see, he spoke some very mm, unique words, and you know what he said to them? "Do not fear. From now on, you'll be catching men." Why did he say "Do not fear"? Because when you go into the kingdom to serve God, there are times that are going, times are going to appear, fearful. That's why Jesus said, "Do not fear." There will be perceived fear, perceived danger in serving God. So Jesus, Jesus set him up ahead of time. Don't fear. Don't be afraid. You see, once you meet. And believe in Jesus he calls you into something greater so whatever he calls you into don't be afraid okay in Luke chapter 12 people were fearful of having their daily needs met they were afraid oh we're poor we're hungry what are we gonna do Jesus said in verse 30 all these things in Luke 12 The nations of the world eagerly seek. But your father, he knows that you need these things. So here's what you do. Seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has chosen gladly to give you the kingdom. See, there should be a difference between the person of God and the person far from God. Yes, the person far from God, they can worry and fret and have anxiety about daily provision. But the person of God, like you that are listening today, have no fear. God knows what you need. And I love that little scripture, do not be afraid, little flock. You know, a little flock is pretty defenseless and very dependent on the shepherd. And Jesus calls his disciples, oh, a little flock. Your Father has chosen gladly to give you what? Oh, the whole kingdom. So, fear is real. Oh, yeah. It comes at us through our senses. You hear something, it might cause you to be afraid. You see something, it might cause you to be afraid. You feel something, you think something, you smell something, and cause you to be afraid. But we handle it in our thinking. How do you handle fear? by the way that you think. 2 Corinthians 10.3 For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare, they are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Oh, we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are, here it comes, taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What do we do? Take our thoughts captive. What does that mean? Control them. Get control. Get control of your thinking. Don't let the emotions kick in and take over. Don't think with your feelings. Think with the Word of God. This is why we go to church. This is why we learn the Word of God. To have something to think with. Okay? Remember what we said earlier? How important our testimony is. You know, as God's people, we want to give a good testimony. And the things that might cause people that don't know God to fear, we're going to stand strong. And we're going to be firm. And we're going to be brave. Because we know God loves us, he cares. He loves them too, but you see, they don't know it, but we do. We're going to live in what we know. And when you live in what you know about God, you know what you have? Security, comfort. You have certainty. And when you have those things, they replace fear. They do. They replace fear. So you get rid of the fear by controlling your thoughts. And then you, th- you let your thoughts go into the area, the reflection of what it means that you know God and God knows you. And the Word of God becomes your data bank. and you think with the Scriptures. That's what we need to do. Fill up our soul with the Word of God. And then we have something to think with. And if you don't fill up your soul with the Word of God, you know what happens? You become a Mother Hubbard Christian. Oh, yeah. She went to the cupboard, and what she got there, the cupboard was bare. Why? She didn't put anything in it. you got to put food in the cupboard if you're going to make a good meal. And you got to put Scripture in your soul if you're going to think properly and be stable and be courageous and be bold. So God has given us what we need so we can be bold, And have a great testimony. Got a good testimony? Okay. Hey, listen. We're all working on them, aren't we? Oh, yeah, I am. Mine's not there yet. Working on it. Work in progress. That's okay. Listen. You can email me at radio 7 at gmail.com. You got a question? You got a comment? You like the show? You hate the show? You got a topic you want to cover? We'll help you. We'll do whatever we can. NewHopeRadio7 at gmail.com If you enjoy the program, maybe get a friend to listen. Non-Christian as well. Christian, non-Christian, I don't care. We're going to speak to everybody because we are here to help everybody with the Word of God. So big thank you for coming along today and I'll see you next time.